0: This is the LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Center podcast. A summary of recent stories from the pages of LexisNexis Mealy Publications. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports.
1: LexisNexis Podcasts voted top legal-oriented podcast in the 2008 ABA Journal Blog 100, the annual reader survey of the best websites for lawyers as chosen by the editors of the ABA Journal.
0: The parties in the federal Vitorin Zetia multi-district litigation announced August 5th they've reached a proposed settlement of all claims except personal injury claims for a total of $41.5 million. An estimated 100 federal lawsuits for sales and marketing practices and product liability claims involving the Vitorin and Zetia anti-cholesterol drugs were centralized last year in New Jersey federal court. In January 2008, Shearing Plow Corporation and and Company Released the Enhanced Study, which found that Vitorin, a combination of anti cholesterol drugs Zetiop and Zocor, was not more effective than less costly generic Zocor. The plaintiffs allege the defendants engaged in unfair, unlawful, or fraudulent business practices by failing to disclose the Enhanced results for nearly two years. According to the case settlement agreement, the defendants have agreed not to contest the plaintiff's motion for class certification. The total settlement amount includes $26.9 million to be paid to the class and $14.5 million to be paid to certain independent settling health plans. The settlement will be subject to a fairness hearing and final approval of the court. They said the settlement does not constitute an admission of liability by the defendants and was made in the mutual interests of the parties. The Fifth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals has affirmed that a federal judge properly found that ExxonMobil's action seeking to enforce its contractor to indemnify it from asbestos exposure claims was premature because liability has not been established in the majority of the underlying cases. ExxonMobil operates a chemical plant and oil refinery in Baton Rouge and entered into a contract with Turner Industries Group for construction and maintenance services. As a result of Turner's work at the facility, 89 Turner employees sued Exxon for asbestos-related injuries. Exxon demanded defense and indemnity from Turner. When Turner declined, Exxon filed suit. The Middle District of Louisiana granted Turner's dismissal motion and Exxon appealed. The Fifth Circuit ruled that the dismissal was based on the lower court's exercise of discretion, not the Declaratory Judgment Act. The court noted that although the judge used the word premature, he did not mention ripeness or justiciability in relation to it, and the case was not dismissed on those grounds. Instead, the judge dismissed the case because the state court actions provided a forum where the indemnity and defense cost issue could be fully litigated, prevented Exxon from forum shopping, and that the primary question, whether Turner must defend Exxon, was premature. The court noted that only four of the state court actions have been resolved and that Turner's duty to Exxon arising from those remaining actions cannot fully and finally be decided until those claims are resolved. The Food and Drug Administration on August 4th ordered the makers of Remicade, Enbrel, Humira, and two other drugs to add a warning that drugs in that class of TNF, or tumor necrosis factor blockers, can increase the risk of cancer in children and adolescents. The drugs are approved to treat juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease, and other inflammatory diseases. In June, the FDA said it was investigating reports of cancer in children and adolescents treated with TNF drugs, It said it found an increased risk of lymphoma and other cancers associated with those drugs. The drug's current labels warn about malignancies, but not specifically leukemia. Merck and Company announced in an August 3rd Securities and Exchange Commission filing that it has settled private third-party payer claims involving Vioxx for $80 million. And the SEC has told the company it closed an investigation into the research and marketing of Vioxx. Merck said the settlement covers approximately 190 claims by third-party payers pending in the Atlantic County, New Jersey Superior Court and in the multi-district litigation in the Eastern District of Louisiana. The company said putative class actions brought on behalf of individual purchasers or users of Vioxx and claiming reimbursement of alleged economic loss remain pending. Merck said European investigations into Viox are ongoing. The judge in the federal Digitech product liability multi-district litigation issued an order on August 3rd denying motions to dismiss by a group of marketers and sellers of the allegedly defective drug, holding the plaintiffs adequately pleaded that all defendants knew of the manufacturing defect yet failed to act. A group of product liability cases alleging the defendants, Activists Incorporated and other related companies, released Digitech tablets containing double the appropriate dosage, was transferred to an MDL assigned to Chief U.S. Judge Joseph Goodwin of the Southern District of West Virginia, Plaintiffs allege that tablets can cause digitalis toxicity in patients with renal failure. Pfizer Incorporated in late July announced a $75 million settlement with the Kano state government in Nigeria to settle civil and criminal claims related to the 1996 Trovan antibiotic clinical trial conducted in that country.
2: Under the agreement, Nigerians who participated in the clinical trial can apply for what Pfizer called financial support from a healthcare meningitis fund. The fund will be administered by six trustees, three chosen by Pfizer and three chosen by the Cano state government. Pfizer said that trustees will make determinations based on eligibility and unspecified levels of financial support. In addition, Pfizer agreed to underwrite several unspecified health care initiatives chosen by the Scano state government, which alleged Pfizer conducted the Trovan clinical trial during a meningitis epidemic to get data on the then-unapproved antibiotic in children. The state alleges that Pfizer failed to obtain informed consent for treatment with an experimental drug and in control subjects administered less than standard doses of a conventional drug. The Nigerians allege that as a result, some children died or were left blind or crippled. Pfizer denies any wrongdoing. According to previous press reports, the Nigerian federal government also filed criminal and civil claims against Pfizer for the experiment. In addition, Pfizer has been sued by Nigerians in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York. Pfizer has asked the U.S. Supreme Court to review a Second Circuit Court of Appeals ruling this year that the Nigerians can bring their claims under the Alien Tort Statute. Trovan was withdrawn from the market because of liver injury associated with it. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Emerging Drugs and Devices Editor Tom Moylan.
0: The Third Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals on August 5th vacated class certification in a lawsuit accusing Hollywood tanning systems of defrauding consumers and failing to warn them of the dangers of exposure to UV rays. The circuit court panel found that New Jersey federal judge Dennis Kavanaugh erred by not defining the classes required, by failing to conduct an adequate choice of law analysis, by not considering evidence suggesting that individual issues of fact and law regarding causation predominate over common issues, and by failing to consider whether rest judicata would apply to potential personal injury claims. The lawsuit alleged Hollywood Tanning fraudulently omitted the fact that any exposure to UV rays increases the risk of cancer. It claimed Hollywood Tanning made affirmative representations about the exposure to UV rays on its website, including that UV exposure will help with acne and help those suffering from psoriasis, body weight issues, stress, and seasonal affective disorder. The action claimed the company distorted the benefits while deceptively failing to warn consumers about the dangers of indoor tanning. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, newly authorized to regulate tobacco as a drug, warned in late July that electronic cigarettes, touted by some as a safe alternative to traditional cigarettes, contain carcinogens and toxic chemicals, including an ingredient used in antifreeze. The agency has said that under the legislation giving it control over tobacco products, it may have the power to ban electronic cigarettes altogether.
3: At a teleconference, the FDA announced the results of a preliminary study It analyzed two electronic cigarettes, or e-cigarettes, as well as 19 varieties of various flavored nicotine and no-nicotine cartridges used in them. The devices themselves are battery-powered tubes made to look like cigarettes that deliver nicotine by heating a liquid chemical blend contained in the cartridges. Rather than emitting tobacco smoke, e-cigarettes give off a puff of odorless vapor. Because e-cigarettes have not been submitted to the FDA for evaluation or approval, the agency has no way of knowing the levels of nicotine or the amounts or types of other chemicals delivered by various brands, other than those tested in this study. According to the FDA, the study results contradict claims by e-cigarette manufacturers that their products are safe alternatives to tobacco and contain little more than water vapor, nicotine, and propylene glycol, a chemical used to create artificial smoke in theatrical productions. The CEO of one of the manufacturing companies said in a statement that a third party had tested its products and found them to be, quote, appropriate alternatives, unquote, to cigarettes, but said its experts would review those tests as well as the FDA's. The Electronic Cigarette Association, an industry trade group, said in a statement that the FDA's testing was, quote, too narrow to reach any valid and reliable conclusions, end of quote. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Michael Lefkowitz.
0: The Second Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals has affirmed the District of Connecticut's dismissal of homeowners' claims of lead contamination against a gun club, holding that the discharge of lead shot was not considered solid waste and was not a threat to the environment or human health.
1: Homeowners making up the Simsbury-Avon Preservation Society sued the Medicon Gun Club shooting range in Simsbury, Connecticut, alleging violations of the Resource Conservation and Recovery Act and the Clean Water Act resulting from the discharge and accumulation of lead shot on Metacon's property. The panel affirmed the district court ruling that lead contamination on the shooting range did not constitute, quote, an imminent and substantial endangerment to health or the environment. Specifically, the court said the homeowners failed to provide sufficient evidence that existing lead contamination will in fact result in harm to human health or the environment, or evidence on the severity of any harm that might occur. The circuit court also held the group failed to provide sufficient evidence on whether the gun club was discharging lead shot into navigable waters from a point source under the Clean Water Act. There is no evidence, it said, that lead deposited into the berm directly flows into Medicon wetlands. And it said the lead in the berm that migrates to jurisdictional wetlands as airborne dust does not constitute a discharge from a point source. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mike Butler.
0: A former American Airlines flight attendant has sued McDonnell Douglas Corporation and the Boeing Company in Superior Court in Seattle, Washington, for allegedly exposing her to tricrestyl phosphate in so-called bleed air, released into the cabin of the aircraft in which she was working in 2007. Terry Williams and her husband Gary allege that the MD-82 aircraft, manufactured by Boeing subsidiary McDonnell Douglas, has a known risk of bleed air contamination of the cabin. Williams says bleed air is outside air compressed in the aircraft engines or auxiliary power unit and is prone to contamination with engine oil and hydraulic fluid. Williams says she was working in the first-class cabin of an MD-82 on an American Airlines flight from Memphis to Dallas-Fort Worth when during the approach to the gate she was exposed to smoke or fumes. She says she's been unable to work because of the respiratory and neurological injuries that she suffered. Treating physicians, she says, have diagnosed the injuries as resulting from an industrial workplace exposure to toxic substances. McDonnell Douglas and Boeing, she says, have known of the risks of bleed air contamination for at least 40 years. Williams seeks to recover under theories of strict liability and negligence for failure to provide adequate warnings and instructions for the use of the aircraft. A blackjack dealer filed a class action lawsuit in Nevada federal court in late July alleging Harry's Entertainment Incorporated doing business as Caesars Palace Hotel and Casino failed to provide a safe working environment for its employees by permitting smoking on its gaming floors in its Las Vegas casino. Tomo Stevens claims that despite overwhelming scientific evidence, Caesars Palace has failed to protect the health and welfare of many of its employees who must perform their jobs while breathing in secondhand smoke. Stevens cites a May 2009 study by the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health that found secondhand smoke in three Las Vegas casinos, including Caesars Palace, on both the casino floors and in the bloodstreams of casino employees working on the gaming floor. Stevens is looking to represent a class of all former current and future non-smoking employees of Caesars Palace who were, are, or in the future will be exposed to unsafe levels of secondhand smoke. You've been listening to the LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Center podcast. Visit the Torts and Personal Injury Law Center and all our communities at wwwlexisnexiscom forward slash communities. Click on the Torts Law link. The LexisNexis Torts and Personal Injury Law Center podcast was written by the editors of Mealy Publications, Current and Targeted Legal News and Litigation Reports, copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Severe Incorporated, LexisNexis. Total Practice Solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thanks for listening.